Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face, episode 243 on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. I'm Shane Satterfield, the founder of Sifted, and we have a very special stream for you guys today. Uh, it's actually kind of a two-part stream. We're going to do an episode of Game Face first. However, it is a very short episode of Game Face. We just have three topics because we just did a show on Thursday. Um, and then we're going to take a break, we're going to dip to black, and it'll take us a minute or two to set up for the Sifted Video Game Fantasy Draft for 2020. 21. Not only that, we will be launching the Sifted Fantasy Challenge today live on the site. That's at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. So right around the time we're wrapping up Game Phase 243 and getting ready for our draft, the Sifted Fantasy Challenge will be live for you guys to take part in. Now, I will say this. Don't leave the stream and go make your picks. Wait and listen to Matt and I discuss this stuff um, because it was a very, very interesting draft that Matt and I have done. And I think you're going to want to hear our discussion before you decide to make your picks. Uh, but anyway, first off, we're going to do an episode of Game Face. As I said, Matt Kyle is alongside me. What's going on, Matt? Uh, not much. Um, it's good to have uh, something to look forward to tomorrow. Yeah. The adults that. taking over finally. Yeah. <laughs> taking away the kids' credit card finally. Yeah, taking the keys back. Yeah. 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 It'll be nice. I'll sleep very well tonight, uh, knowing that the that the world is going to get back to normal tomorrow. But we're never um, going to get that seat back in the way we had it, though. <laughs> That's probably for sure. Uh, but anyway, as you can tell, I am not running TriCaster today as I did on Thursday. We have Jared in today, thank God, because there is no way I could have ever done the draft while I was working the TriCaster. So we got Jared back in the house today to handle uh, switching duties for us. Uh, we got a great episode of Game Face, and I'm really excited about our draft coming up right after. Uh, let's just get straight into the show. We're going to kick things off with, I think, a game that has been on every episode of Game Face for probably the last two and a half months. And that game is Cyberpunk 2077. It is the game that just keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> first, it kept giving because it looked awesome. Then the game came out. And since then, it has just been one story after another. Uh, and really, the big development this week was that Bloomberg's Jason Schreier, who we have a lot of admiration for, he does some of the best reporting in the games industry, he published a story about pretty much the whole Cyberpunk 2077 story. What most people focused on, though, were what happened after launch and what the developers felt as they were working on the game. But really, the article just goes all the way back to the beginning. Uh, huge revelations in this, I think, for a lot of people. Um, before I ask you how you sur were surprised by it, I'm just going to kind of su supply the crib notes version, kind of the big bullet points from the article. Uh, probably the one that hit me the hardest was that development of the game did not start in earnest until 2016. Um, we were under the impression that this game at least had like a team working on it, working on like pre-pro for many years before that, because they had announced the game eight years ago. Um, but they put out that trailer and apparently just sat on it and didn't do anything on the game for another couple of years. So in some ways, I was like, wow, I feel like I was misled. But in, in some other ways, I was like, OK, now that kind of explains why the game was so broken. Um, uh, the other bullet point that really hit me hard was that all the demos for the game were faked, including the demo at E3 2018, um, which, you know, full in the press. 
is uh and i think if you go back and look at our discussions on that matt back whenever we saw that demo we said that it could have been faked we said that they sat yeah. there at a pc well, and wiggled the mouse but we did not know 100 percent for sure if yeah. it was well, real well, and also remember like you know and I, I i mean i wasn't super shocked at the 2016 thing um because i a lot of times i will say stuff that like you know just because we see some trailer or some footage or an announcement does not mean they're actually working on these, this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same with, same with GTA, you know, when I sit there and say like, yeah, last of us two isn't coming out next year. It's coming out like four years later. And it does. It's because those trailers are just, it's a lot of times done out of house. And there yeah. is a, there are a couple of major game, like major anticipated games that I have learned, you know, in confidence that like, yeah, they aren't real. Like they're not real games. You like, mean they're just trailers. They're just trailers to gin up interest and maybe they'll get made if, if the response is good enough, but like the trailers are there to convince you that something is in the pipeline already, but a lot, but a lot, you know, especially in the AAA space, a lot of this stuff is driven by marketing more than, you know, creativity. Uh, we know, I mean, we know that, but it's like the, the extent of the power that the marketing department has over a AAA publisher's direction really can't be overstated. Yeah, I mean, it's you always follow the money. Anytime yeah. stuff happens, and this is just in life, people, anytime something happens that you just cannot understand why it happened, it's almost always the money. Mm-hmm. Follow the money. And that's where you'll find where most stuff that's really confusing, why it has happened that way. It almost always comes down to cash. Um, Matt, how do you feel about, and now I will say this. So CD Projekt Red did respond to some of this stuff. And I do want to make sure that I share their opinion, whether I believe it or not. I think it's only editorially prudent to at least share their rebuttal. Um, And the thing that hit me the hardest was really uh, that they had faked the demos of the game. Um, And CD Projekt Red replied saying, well, yeah, they weren't actually like, the game that we were playing wasn't a part of the game, but it was a playable demo that we built. And most of the stuff that we showed was ended up in the final game. And in fact, there ended up being more than that in the final game. And I would agree with that last part. Um, they Everything that was shown in that 2018 demo, at least most of the stuff I remember, did end up becoming a part of the game. And there were some things that weren't shown in that demo that are a part of it as well. So that part I get, but I how do you feel about that, Matt? Do you think from that perspective, it's okay to quote unquote, fool the press with a fake demo? I don't think it's okay, but I think it happens more often than we might like to think. Yeah. Um, you know, and as a part of the, you know, sometimes part of why you see things like the, you know, puddle gate or the Witcher three lighting changes, or like sometimes that is like a legit demo of whatever's in progress. And they end up having to downscale or change stuff just because of the nature of the hardware, or what they can optimize. But sometimes I think we are just shown stuff that has no basis in fact in relation to the project that is actually being made to be put on the disc. Um, I feel like something. I feel like something like that probably happened uh, with Bioshock Infinite. I, I feel like the Bioshock Infinite 2012 E3 demo uh, was not a real thing. I think I, I would agree with that. So. Yeah. And I would also argue that that is a case where the game did not end up being including and being what that initial demo had no, shown. There's, there's a lot of different, there's some videos on the, on the YouTube, you, you, on the YouTube. You know, okay. okay <laughs> I, I say that all the time. <laughs> um, uh, but there's videos there. You can look at where they, you know, they compare what's in the actual final game and what's in the, the, the demo from the E3 demo. And uh, they're, they're different projects. Like they're different game. And some of that might've just been like, you got, you know, we know Rod Ferguson came in and like basically, 
you know, whipped everything into shape to get shipped. You know, you got to ship something and got to do it now. And so a lot of that might, might've been in there and got cut, you know, cut away. And it could have been a, you know, could have been a legitimate demo of what they were working on at the time, but it, it always felt to me like that was a lot of wishful thinking in an E3 theater. Yeah. Um, and I think that happens more often than we might think. And maybe that phrase kind of puts things in perspective, E3 theater, yeah. because it is theater, like it or not. That's really what E3 is. Um, that doesn't mean that I condone what CD Projekt Red did. And I no. definitely do not. I do feel like I was misled. Um, I feel like, okay, if they made that decision at first and then they see the response to that game, which was just overwhelmingly positive, maybe then you should step in and be like, hey, you know, just want to really be straight up with you guys. I know you're digging the game, but, you know, this was a slice of the game that we constructed separately from the game. I uh, just want to set, you know, expectations accordingly. Um, I think people would have appreciated that. I don't think people would have been angry about it. I think they'd have been like, thank you for being honest. Maybe more developers should do something like that. So I'm really confused at why after the response to it was so overwhelmingly uh, positive that they didn't say something at that point. Um, but it is what it is. Um, they're another a bet. They're just basically saying like we're betting we can get this done. Risk the way reward, we it to be, and they didn't. And, yeah. And look, the fact that this is news still shows how often that that bet gets made and delivered on. You know, like, yeah. If, if you if you win your bet in that situation, we'll never know what happened. You know, we, we'll we'll never know that there was a the, a disparity there. Um, and I think that I think it seems like, and that seems to be kind of the case with the Sony problem they had with, it, with being pulled from the store. It sounds like, once again, that's what they did there, where they provide oh, the day one patch will fix a bunch of this stuff, even though that's not fixed in the the build we submitted for certification. Um, it sounds like that happens relatively often, but usually developers come through on what they say that day one patch will be. In this case, it didn't happen, and that's unusual. Yep. So here we are. And then the biggest point of contention for the game for for us and for our audience in general is just how broken the game was. Um, and a lot of people are like, how did CD Projekt Red not know that this game was so busted before it released it? Well, the answer is it did know. Um, Jason Schreier's report, he talked to, I think it was 20... Yeah, 20-something 20, 20 QA people. Yeah, 20 current or former employees who had worked on the game. And they all said that everybody knew that the game was a mess. QA and, always knows. Like, it doesn't, yeah. even, even games that are not, that are not bug-ridden, bug, game, the most solid games in the world, if you find a weird little bug in there in, like, some game that you, that was released rock solid, if you talk to a QA person who worked on that game, they know that bug is there. No, oh, yeah. They know. Well, then CD Projekt Red's response to that, instead of saying, no, no we, you know, we thought it was good, it looked good to me, I played it, and it was okay, or making up some excuse like, oh, we certified the wrong version or whatever, he basically just said, you talked to 20 people out of 500. That was his excuse for it. Yeah. Which, and I mean, that's like backwards logic, because like if you're <laughs> talking to such a small sample size should make you more likely to run into people that don't exactly. know all those All things. 20 of them should not have but the every same single story. Person, every <laughs> single person, 20, you pick 20 random, say 20 random out of 500, you should at least have two or three that didn't know about all those bugs and those problems but you but everyone did you were a random sampling like shows that like everybody knew that means it was and also you think qa people don't talk to each other like that's the qa qa teams are very tight-knit usually well then um, he went on to brag that after the game was released and the reviews came out and everybody knew that it was buggy they still sold another five million copies and he was proud of that 
He's like, well, you know, you're basically blowing it out of proportion because most people don't care, obviously, because another five million people bought it after everyone told him it was a buggy piece or whatever. So part of that, I think, is because like we hear like uh, like games are full of bugs or like, but the number of times we we read about people saying that on the Internet or whatever, and then you play the game and it really is that buggy. That's like once a year, yeah. once a generation, you know, like the only comparison I have for this game would be like New Vegas, yep. you know, where it like really didn't work very well on the 360. Certain platforms, yeah. That went launch. Yep. And um, it's just, you know, it, it, I, I wasn't ready. You know, I, I knew there'd be bugs in this game. This is how CD Projekt rolls, but I wasn't ready for how bad, even yeah. on the next gen systems. And then like you see the, the footage from the vanilla the last gen systems and it's just like, yeah, this is not... I mean, it's inconscionable that they would release those versions. It just yeah. is. There, there's no ex excuse for it. Um, the fact that CD Projekt Red is trying to defend itself at all from this report, to me, mm -hmm. is disgusting. And kind this, of throwing the QA people under the bus. Yeah, the this is the time to be contrite. This yeah. is finally your moment where you're like, man, we screwed up. Yeah. Like, this was your chance. Like, it's all laid out on the table now. Jason Schreier did his report. You know he's going to find everything. So it's out there now. Everybody yeah. knows everything that happened. Nothing worse can happen now except for you making a mistake in how you message it. And that's exactly what CD Projekt Red did. They just doubled down and dug themselves a bigger hole. So my question is, what kind of damage has been done to CD Projekt Red? Can it be fixed? Will people forget about it when the next Witcher game rolls out? Uh, I know this, CD Projekt Red's fans were insane. Insane, like literally like psycho insane. I don't know if those people even have turned on the studio at this point. I don't know, I don't but know. but what do you I, think? I wish is I had a parallel. To, I wish I had a parallel to like something where things were clearly one way and crazy one way, and there's people that were such <laughs> fans of it they refused to admit that the crazy thing was really happening. Anyway, um, uh, I don't know. Like I, I mean, I feel like most people I know, most rational people that play games, like you know, we do have a tendency as gamers to sort of have a uh, a short memory when it comes to things we're excited about. But mm -hmm. I know even me speaking as a giant Witcher fan, as a, as a CD Projekt fan, as someone who, I mean, there's a shelf you can't see on camera, but this shelf right here, it's just Witcher stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, like yeah, I collect Witcher fan. everything. I have Witcher stuff in the other room. I have framed art of it. I'm going to look real. I mean, probably I'll play it at launch because of this show, but like the next Witcher game, like if I was just like a private consumer, I would be waiting like a month on that shit. I'd be like, no, I'm not buying that at launch. I'm waiting to see what people say about it. I'm waiting to see what Jim Sterling has to say about it. <laughs> like, frankly, yeah. like I don't wait for Jim Sterling's opinion on a lot of things, but on that one, like I kind of like to know what Jim thinks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, I, I think you're going to have a lot more caution around their next project. You're going to have, you know, a lot of skepticism and the, you know, the Twitter conversation doesn't necessarily define what mainstream sales will be, but like when they put their next trailer up for whatever the next project is, like it's the replies are just going to be skepticism from top to bottom. It's just gonna be like, Oh, when are you gonna actually work on it though? You know, it's like, gonna be, like, it's just, it writes itself. Um, and you're right. Like the only response here is we got caught. Contrition. Like, yeah. We, we fucked up. Like there yeah. is no other answer to this. And, and like, I don't know what you think you're doing by saying literally anything else. You're done. We got you. Like Schreier nailed you. Like it, we know yeah, what once happened. that report's we, out, that's it. Everyone's we, gonna, no one's going to believe you yeah. if you lie. We've played the game. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Like what? 
So it's, I mean, Sony pulled the fucking game off their store. Like, what do you need? I mean, like, your parallel was pretty accurate, man. You're right. It's like CD Projekt Red thinks that it can live in this alternate universe of mm-hmm. alternative facts and no one is going to, like, care. Yeah. And they're like, if we just say it lo- enough and enough pe- of our, our fans listen to us, they'll believe it and yeah. we'll be off the hook. So you the big lie and you get them to buy one big lie and every other big lie is easier. After makes that. it easier. But, no, but yep. it doesn't look like it's working here. Yeah. I mean, it does seem, although... I don't know. Based upon what CD Projekt Red said, it doesn't sound like many people returned the game, Matt. Mm -hmm. Um, Their rebuttal, they were like, you know what? People don't think it's as broken as you guys do because they're not returning the game. Well, no, I don't think. I mean, I know they said that, but I think they're wrong. I think I didn't return my copy of the game. I didn't either. Because I assume they're going to fix it. And if, but still, it, people it, aren't returning it, which is how you no. really hurt CD Projekt Red. But if June rolls around and I still haven't gotten any of those patches up, I'm going to start making some questions. Like, you know, probably too, too late to refund it by then. But yeah. I've stopped, I mean, I've stopped playing it. Like, I'm waiting for, for it to be fixed before I go back to it. Um, you know, I, I, I don't feel like, you know, and, and they've, in their, their uh, track record with like, you know, The Witcher 1 did not launch in tremendous shape. It was yeah. a great game when it first I mean, came neither out. did The Witcher, the Witcher 3, 2. to be honest. I mean, and they, you know, they put out the enhanced editions of the first two games and they did a lot of patches and stuff, you know, and the DLC on Witcher 3 was great. Like, they have a history of eventually making good or at least making the game they put out into the game you wanted it to be after about six months or to a year of patching and further work. Um, so I'm willing to give them that on side. I wish they'd stop. I wish they just get it right the first time, of course. And this is the worst they've ever done, mm-hmm. but I will give them, you know, kind of the slight benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt in the sense that they've done it before. And I will wait and see if, you know, cyberpunk enhanced edition is something worth playing. And if not, I will be uh, much more careful with my money with them in the future. But I, like we said last week, that only happens about once every five years. So, uh, what can you know? What you don't really need to worry. It's not like you know you're talking about like a major publisher, really, in terms of like output. The other thing I think they need to do is they need to give the DLC away for free. I would agree with that. They need make goods. They have to do. And look, I finished it, so I'm not going back until it's fixed and they release the DLC and the yeah, multiplayer new content. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm, I finished the campaign. I finished pretty much all the side missions I cared to finish. Uh, so I'm good. I'm done with that game until they release new content. The um, other thing I would say is like maybe look real hard at whether it's worth finishing that multiplayer mode. Yeah. It might be better to just move on from this. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) imagine the multiplayer mode if they couldn't get the campaign Mm -hmm. tightened up the way they needed to. Uh, Nox Etermitis, and I know I mispronounced that wrong, says they're still going to give it Game of the Year at the awards this year. You think so? Oh, like the Game Awards? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't either. I think other things will come out by then. Um, I think there's a strong chance uh, we'll get into this in the uh, in the in, in the draft. Game draft, but I, yeah. I feel like there's a strong chance a couple of things that will make everybody forget all about cyberpunk, uh, especially the journalists who are voting for it. Yeah, uh, when that when the time comes, like there's there's some heavy hitters coming, I think, uh, and as long as those don't slip, I mean, uh, for the game to win game of the year, it would be such a stain. Yeah, you <laughs> might you might get like I don't know. The, like the, the the award that like No Man's Sky got this year, like best support or whatever that was, like like you know like ongoing game or whatever. Because it's like not going to win like best RPG. Like this no. past year, it was a really weak year for RPGs. Next year, not the case. So it's not going to win that. So yeah, I mean, I'll tell you straight up. Like assuming it makes it this year, best RPG is Baldur's Gate three. 
Oh, like really? That's, that's what's going to win uh, from just from my experience with the easy or easy access with early access, <laughs> early access, easy allies. Um, <laughs> the uh, just my experience with the early access, like if the, if they continue on the trend that they're on with that game uh, when they finish it, uh, you know, the, when it comes out, the final version, that is going to be one of the best RPGs I've played in my entire life. Like I love wow. that game so far. Wow. I, and we'll get That's into some that. big words, man. We'll get into that. I think they nailed the D and D five E system in. That makes in, me in, very excited to hear. I have not played it's, it. So it's, it's, I think it's phenomenal. I like wow. in, in terms of like being an early access build. It's still pretty buggy and crashes all the time. But, but like, it's already more stable than cyberpunk. So wow. it's, and it's a year. It was a, and they came out, it was a year out. That's great to so, hear. I am very, very bullish on this on the Baldur's Gate three thing, and I think uh, it's going to be so good that people forget all about Cyberpunk as an RPG. Okay, to kind of wrap up this topic, Matt, what do you think the long term damage will be to CD Projekt Red? Do you expect Witcher, the next Witcher game, to not sell as well, or do you think it's going to all be forgotten? I think uh, the next Witcher game will sell just fine. Um, and in fact, I think it might sell a little better because you'll have new Witcher fans off the back of the Netflix series, which will probably be in, you know, have finished by then, but like, yeah, maybe over by the time yeah. we get um, another game. Either that or it's going to be in like season six, you know, yeah. um, Henry Cavill is going to be like almost 50 <laughs> playing a Witcher, but, um, the uh, I don't know. Like I, I think people will approach them more skeptically. The, the you know there will be true believers, obviously, but the skepticism will be a little more up there. Uh, I think the press will be less likely to hype the game blindly the way they did with Cyberpunk and be willing to be like, well, we saw what happened with Cyberpunk, so hopefully da 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 da. da. I mean, that's a good um, point. How is the press going to react to CD Projekt Red's games going forward? Do you think yeah. that they will be cautious and more guarded and maybe not as oh, I mean, to praise its projects? There will be no chance that pre previews of whatever their next big game is will not constantly bring up Cyberpunk. As like, we saw what happened here. It took them for however long to get that into shape. So we wonder what this is going to look like when it comes out. The I mean, first, don't you feel like we're going to be hearing that forever for about every game? I mean, every, it's always going to be pointed to now. Well, remember Cyberpunk, you know, don't Some, get too I, excited. I think, though, I think it will mainly be in relation to games that seem very ambitious and sort of like a dream game. Uh -huh. Like, I don't think anyone's going to say that about the next Assassin's Creed. You know, like we know. Unless we know, it becomes crazy revolution. Unless it's like some kind of weird, crazy, like, oh, we rebooted the whole idea again. I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think you're going to see like um, anything that has like massive like uh, uh, ambition and sort of like oh it's a dream game like I think as like Beyond Good and Evil 2 moves forward you might just take another Ubisoft example like you might see like previews of that be like oh this looks like an amazing like thing we've never played anything like it before but we also thought that about Cyberpunk and like what happened but like you know like known quantities not so much like I don't think like Breath of the Wild 2 is going to get a lot of skepticism on it you know it's like it's like yeah. you know, we know what that's about um, I think the really ambitious, like pie in the sky stuff, is going to be have to be approached with a little more jaundiced eye from here on out. And maybe we could start applying the same logic we're applying to Cyberpunk to Star Citizen. Anyone? <laughs> um, just saying. <laughs> You want to talk about the grift? <laughs> it is a big freaking grift. Like, I don't Absolutely. think. I mean, obviously, that's not a scam by definition of the word. I mean, there's a re, there's a game, there's an alpha ish thing you can play, but I backed that game nine years ago, and like, <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt. Where is Squadron Forty Two? Like, I just wanted another. They just said that it's not coming out for like ever. Years, years. Yeah. They're like Squadron Forty Two is nowhere close to being done. There's people it's like. That 
No, 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 of course not. There are people on that Reddit that are still trying to make excuses for why it didn't hit alpha last fall. <laughs> and I'm like, it's not going to hit alpha until 2023, uh, people. It's If we ever get it all. Most of the people that shot motion capture for that game are going to be dead by the time it comes out. It's it true. Yeah. Like, uh, Cinetite makes a good point um, in the chat. He, he says that uh, the press also wants views and people were eating up cyberpunk preview content like hotcakes. So yeah. he is right. I mean, the press is a little bit culpable in this. Um, you know, but I try I to look the, at, I try to look at how I reported on it and see if I was guilty of it as well. Um, I didn't report on it to like get viewers or anything like that. I really was impressed with the game. Yeah, I saw. You were impressed by the demo, but like, yeah. I mean, you can still get the clicks and bring up the idea that there was a problem with the yeah. previous game they made. And in fact, that'd probably get you more clicks because of controversy. True. Um, and I don't yeah. think a lot of, I don't think the press knew what was going on behind the scenes here to any large. Oh, no, 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 so, no. I mean, the other thing is that they're in Poland. So I don't know any journalists that kind of have like sources at CD Projekt Red. Not English speaking, as far as I yeah. know. Yeah. And that was another point of contention. They were saying that you know, some of the developers were speaking Polish around the studio and it made other people who didn't speak Polish think that they were talking behind their backs. Um, that seemed a little bit maybe flimsy. Um, it's like, you know, if I speak English and I'm working in an office and there's not a big group of people there, I'm going to speak English probably with the other people who speak English. Um, mm. So I can understand why employees might feel a little uncomfortable about it, but that's one of those things where it's like, I think he dedicated too much time in the article to something that maybe wasn't yeah. quite as important. Also, but. like, make friends with some Polish people. And yeah, and learn how to speak Polish. Yeah. Or just have them translate for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Make, some, make some allies that speak the local language. Anyone who's played an RPG knows that. Yeah, absolutely. So, look, we're trying to give CD Projekt Red a fair shake here. We always do that on Game Face. Um, but the bottom line is they released a broken game, and they knew they were going to release a broken game, and that is an excusable. So I personally do think there's going to be damage to CD Projekt Red. I don't think it's going to be massive or maybe even all that significant because it takes the studio so long to release another game. Mm -hmm. But I think we're not going to see the next Witcher game for, I'm guessing three or four years by then. No. Yeah. A lot of people are going to be like, well, I don't really remember that. Yeah. We've probably got like one more CD project red game on the next gen on these current yep. know, PS5. PS5 yeah. X, and it'll X. probably be towards the end of the gen when yeah. we get the next Witcher game. Yeah. yeah. We'll probably have the updated systems by then. The yeah, it could be even then. a bridge game at that point. Yeah. yeah, The next one may not work on the systems we have now. Although I'll tell you, Matt, I, I think this generation is going to last like 10 years. That would be nice. I just think uh, it is. I just, the law of diminishing returns, it just gets worse and worse. Like one of the questions on Pactor Factor this week was, um, you know, did they bail on the PS4 and the Xbox One too early? And I think if I think you look at it, they kind of did. Like they absolutely did. Um, and like, and but I mean, they started look, underpowered, as you've brought up many times. Did, and I do agree I think, with that. But there but was still you, more headroom for those systems. Yeah, but I mean, once you got the the, the X and the Pro, I think yeah, you especially. resolved a lot of those problems. And I mean, I you know when I first got my 4K TV and I was showing off some games to my you know some friends that didn't really pay attention to game stuff, uh, and that was like 2017, early 2018. And like I showed, I showed him Witcher Three on uh, on um, to keep it in the CD Projekt Red world. I showed him like Witcher Three and Horizon and you know Battlefront Two and stuff on on both. And like every single one of them were just like, why are they new, making new systems? Like this still looks amazing. Like I would, they're, they're like, I'd be happy with this for years yet, and it's just yeah. gonna get better. And then you, I mean, look at, I mean, I know the frame rate is is takes hits once in a while in some of these games, but like if you can do Last of Us Part Two on that hardware. Why are you 
selling me a $500 system this year? Because let's be honest, Matt, none of the third parties have hit that level. No, 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 no. Not even close. You look at Ghost of Tsushima. No third parties even in the same league as that game. So they're all these, the, the bulk of the developers who are making games for those two systems, they aren't even close to like maxing them out yet. So there was definitely some headroom. I'm glad that the PS5 and the Series X is here because I love them. Um, but I do think that there was maybe a little more juice to squeeze out of them. And yeah, you also, could have gone another year. I think. Yeah. And also, I think seeing the jump, or in some people's perspective, the lack thereof from PS4 to PS5 and Xbox mm. One, Xbox Series X, like, that's why I think this cycle is going to be 10 years, Matt, because it's it's going to get smaller and smaller as it goes. And so I just think that they're going to stick with these longer. I think they're going to be able to get a lot of headroom um, out of these systems as well as they learn to write mm-hmm. to the metal. And so I just think that ultimately this generation is going to last a long, long time. Yeah. And I do wonder, like, as I play the new systems, like, you know, I noticed the differences in part because, of the, you know, I recognize the HDR on some of the, you know, the old games, the backwards compatible stuff, and they run better and everything loads way faster. But like, I recognize that in part because I spent so much time playing stuff on the old systems. Yeah. And I wonder if someone who just plays more casually is going to play on the new systems and notice all that as much as I would. Probably in, not. Like, Casual they, folks, probably not. Yeah, and in, in turn, be like, I paid five hundred dollars, and it still kind of looks the same, except for Miles Morales. And well, I mean, Pactor doesn't even have a four K TV yet, believe it or not, um, and he has really no interest in upgrading to four K at all. He's he can't see. Really? Yeah, he's just like he has a boat. Just I know. Four K TV. It's not. That's like, that's my point, though. It's not about money. Mm-hmm. It's with him. He's like I. He doesn't want to waste money because he feels like it's a waste of money. He's like, I can't see the difference. I go into the stores. He's like, until TV. And- I don't want to waste money, says man who oh, who has a I know. Come on. <laughs> I, know. I know. But he's saying like, until content is in 4K. And I do agree with this. Like the bulk of the time I spend using my new 4K TV, I can't tell the difference between it and my plasma TV because everything's at 1080p. I mean, um, I can tell the difference because HDR. Like the yeah. resolution is not as important to me. Like, but again, the broadcast has wish- to have that. And 1080p doesn't have HDR. Like the broadcast don't have ap- HDR. The broadcast, I mean, you can apply HDR to anything. Yeah. Um, but like the like, I don't. My monitor for my gaming PC is 1440p, and I don't sit here and wish that I had 4K instead of 2K. I right. wish I had HDR. Yeah. You know, yep. um, that's a more important upgrade to me. Yeah. So Pactor, he doesn't care. He's like once like football games and everything's in 4K TV, basically is broadcast in 4K. That's when he's going to get one. So no, you know, I, hope, I hope he gets to see that day. That, <laughs> I don't know how long that's going to. That's an overhaul of everything. Infrastru- infrastructure. Yeah. It's why it took. It's why game trailers was producing HD content for almost two years yeah. before MTV went HD. In fact, yeah. when MTV was finally ready to broadcast in HD, they came to us to ask us about the cameras they should buy, all the sand equipment that they should get, like the networking stuff that they needed for their edit. We designed all that for MTV. This we little never, even when we went HD, we never got the game capture up to that standard. Yeah. It was always either 720 or or 1080i upscaled. Yeah, well, back then, I mean, GT was 720p too, but that's. Yeah, but it was just there was just no way to do that. It was too expensive to upgrade, and like you were, you know, you were lucky if the the, the station was just 720p back then. Well, back then we had to haul around like these scan converters that oh, yeah. weighed like 60 pounds. Oh, it was um, like a whole wheeled suitcase thing. Yep, we had a kit 
that was that we put together that we would take mm-hmm. out on us on the road. We take a camera guy with us. He'd have to lug that thing around yeah. like Germany. Learn all everything, but it was like wiring yeah. up a bomb. It was yeah. ridiculous. You had yep. to explain it to the TSA every time, like what yep, it was. Because they're like, what is this it thing? Like what the, you had all it looked like a bomb. Yeah, it was, it was very, <laughs> yeah. it was all, because it was all, yeah, just everyone had to slap it their own together. There was no yeah. like off the shelf solution to that. You had to kind of come up with it. Yeah. Um, to this, I mean, I, I am partly like, every time I like pull out my Elgato for something, like I'm partly like amazed and partly angry at it. You know, it's yeah, like, it's, where the it's fuck were you in 2011? It would have changed your life. It absolutely would have changed your just life. Throw, you know, just throw it in a bag, and then we're yeah. off. To, we're off to you know Texas, wherever we're going for a segment. It was like no, no, because that is one thing I'm proud of working in this industry is that we lead the way. We are we led the way with 4K too. Like if I were, I guarantee you, if I were still at MTV right now, they would be coming to us asking us how to work with 4K. Um, we are the pioneers. Streaming, Twitch. It's so funny now how everybody just knows what Twitch is. Like all my buddies DJ on Twitch. They're like, oh, this new thing called Twitch. I'm like, bro, I've been on Twitch for like eight years. Like, but everyone we're doing, started- Twi- we're doing Twitch stuff in 20, 2009. Yeah. Like, when it was uh, just, Justin TV. It was Justin.tv. Yeah. So look, it's, we drive it. We are driving media um, adoption. We're the reason gaming is the reason people get 4K TVs. It's not to watch mm-hmm. sports because you can't watch it in 4K. So I'm proud of that. I'm proud that we drive media forward. Um, I think ultimately, again, gaming will drive broadcast forward. But you're right, Matt. It's going to be a long time because they have to replace everything. 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 The outlay, the capital expenditures are insane. So after COVID, you yeah. know, it, it, now it's just delayed another year. Yeah. So, and you know, the people laying out the money for that at like the networks are like, we just finished paying to get everything HD. Yeah. Now you want to make everything more. We just paid off all like, that 1080p yeah. gear. <laughs> it's true. But that's the nature of the beast. You got to keep yeah. moving and gaming and the stuff that we do, we're nimble enough that we can do it. But when you're talking about the Titanic trying to turn that massive ship, it's not as easy. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, uh, we should move on because we do need to get through this episode pretty quickly before we get to our draft. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about PlayStation-exclusive properties that we had feared may be going away, but maybe not so fast. So this week, Sony San Diego, and you guys probably mostly know Sony San Diego for doing the MLB franchise, and it has done an amazing job on that baseball simulation franchise for PlayStation across the years. And uh, people are kind of wondering, you know, Sony has been expanding some of its studios, picking some up here and there. Everyone was wondering what's going to happen with Sony San Diego. Well, today, or not today, this week, um, Sony San Diego announced that it was going to basically pivot and it was going to start working on PlayStation properties that are not its own, meaning non-MLB properties. And that happened to just coincide with um, some mentions about Uncharted the next Uncharted possibly being developed there. And then the very next day, Killzone, there was kind of this press release that went out basically saying, Gorilla saying, all right, we're done with Killzone. We're moving on. We've got Horizon, these other projects that we're working on, basically saying Killzone's dead unless somebody picks up the mantle. Um, and so the, the original rumor is that Sony San, San Diego is going to work on Uncharted 5. Matt, how do you feel about this? It feels very similar to Playground Games working on Fable. It's a studio that doesn't have a ton of experience working in the genre, but the studio is pretty skilled. How do you? Where do you come in on this? Um, 
Well, look, I don't think I've made a huge secret of the fact that I think Uncharted is basically a lost cause after Amy Hennig left the company. Yeah. Um, she was that series and those characters, and I don't think Uncharted 4 pulled it off at all. Uh, I did like Lost Legacy, um, but that was mostly dealing with different characters. You know, I, I, I think the story of Nate, Nathan Drake is over uh, for me. Like, if they may, I'm sure they will make, if Uncharted 5 comes out, I'm sure it will be about Nathan Drake. But... You're not interested in that. I don't though. know if I care. Uh, to me, those, that story only went through Uncharted one through three, and four was a lo- was a lost cause to me. And I would play more Lost Legacy style stuff because I thought Chloe, you know, I like Chloe, and I thought they nailed that. That was a different writer. It was smart. It yeah. wasn't Druckmann. That was a different writer. Yep. If they bring him down to San Diego, I'll pay attention. Um, but like, which they may. Like I'll need to see some. I'll need to see what they do. You know. Um, in the same way that I was sort of skeptical about Sly 4, because Sly 4 was not made by Sucker Punch. It was made by... Oh. You, yeah. It was, I can't remember name. the name. It begins with a G. It's not I bet Gai- you someone in chat will tell it's us. It's not Gaikai. It's like some weird... I think it's, if I remember right, it sounds like Japanese name or something sort of. But, uh, that's PlayStation Now, I think, is what you're thinking of. Gaikai is the streaming service. They yeah. Bought, but like the, I can't remember the name of the developer for Sly 4. I can't either. They did okay. It, it yeah. was not amazing. Um, I mean, you look, look at, like, Gears, Judgment, yeah. stuff like that. It's always, like, it's not so bad that it offends you, but it's also not really the next proper entry in the franchise lineage. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. thing. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, that... That's disposable, but it's nice if, <laughs> if you want it. You know, it's kind of like... It's, it's like, it's I can like, go back in that world again if I want. Yeah, it's about, about all I'll give it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, maybe, uh, in terms of the kill zone rumors, I could not possibly care less about what happens to kill zone. So, sure, like, I get, you know, Sony doesn't really have a strong shooter, uh, first-person shooter, so... It I doesn't. It, it warrants exploring, but I never felt like kill zone ever found its feet. I would argue that, to me the better game for Sony San Diego to work on would be Killzone because first-person shooters are much easier to build than a sprawling action adventure with an open world or an action RPG. We are dealing with all those systems that are running under the hood. I would have more confidence in them working on a first-person shooter. Well, and also Um, maybe more importantly in comparison, uh, Killzone's story is going to be a lot lighter lifting. Yeah, you're not going to judge Killzone too hard by its narrative. Yeah, it's plot, Uh, it's voice acting, it's writing, all that stuff. Yeah, far more important in in a new Uncharted game. Um, I would agree with you that I feel like I'm kind of over Nathan, but also guaranteed that Nathan will be the star of the game because I don't think most people agree with us, Matt. I think most people love Nathan Drake. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people make the distinction between you know one, two, and three, and four that I do. Mm -hmm. I just to me, it's four sticks out like a sore thumb as being a very different take on the characters, and I don't like it very much. also, with the movie coming out, like you're, I mean, I would think that it's going to, yeah, whatever they make is going to be like the young Nathan Drake Chronicles kind of thing. You know, you're yeah. going to, you're going to recenter it on the Tom Holland version of the character and sort of go from there. Let's talk about Killzone now, Matt. You just said you don't give a crap. Right now, we're seeing the crazy E3 2005 fake. Here's the first fake demo, actually. Hmm. Here's the most notorious fake demo in the history of yeah, video I, games. I can't see the monitor anymore. Oh, okay, so I, and I this know. one is legitimately fake. This yeah, was, that was never a, that was a literal bullshot. Yeah, it was never ever a part of the game, and never it, the game that came out looks nothing like this. Yeah. Plays nothing like, which is a shame because the reason this got so much hype was because it looks freaking it's awesome. Amazing. It and still like, looks amazing. Should, I'm watching it right now. It still yeah, it still looks, looks better than any, <laughs> almost anything we have. 
That, that was, you know, and it, again, that's another part of that same lesson. Like these companies are not your friends and they want your money. Like every we say it all the piece, time. Yeah. Every single piece of media that gets put out on these things, you have got to look at them with a skeptical eye every single time, and that goes for any product someone's trying to sell you. Um, believe me, like I, I go through that with a toy world too. You know, like I go, oh, this this is the the new the new third party Transformers figures, and it comes out, it's like the fucking leg doesn't work right. I go, you know, who did <laughs> do that? Um, you you always have to pay attention, and you never can assume. Uh, you know, some companies are more trustworthy than others. But like they've all done that shit, you know. Yeah, Killzone was a long time ago, so everyone's kind of forgotten about it. But like that was amazing at the time. Oh, it blew that, my freaking doors off! Like it did. No, and everybody walked out of there being like, "There's no way that's real." Literally, this wasn't like. But people, Sony said it was. Yeah, but people did not get fooled by the the Killzone demo the way that quote unquote they got fooled by the the cyberpunk the, demo. The people who were there didn't. The people on the internet. Like you had the, you know, the, the true believers were going to, you know, tout that that was real the whole time until it wasn't. Yeah, I hounded Phil Harrison about those fake trailers for months after that. Seriously, it just so happened that, like, I ended up running into him at, like, three events in a row, and we got interviews with him every time, and I just laid into him and put him on the spot, and he stood there and lied. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He stood there and lied. He even said that the MotorStorm trailer was real, and he's like, Mm -hmm. look at the game. We're showing the game. I'm like, it looks nothing like that, Phil. I'm like, where's the mud on the windshield? He's like, oh, well, you know, we didn't have everything in there. I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, it was just <laughs> madness. I was like, am I living in some alternate universe where facts don't matter anymore? It was yeah, a precursor. A lot, a lot of those early, like, like I said about a Harry Potter, too, like a lot of those early things are just proof of concept and they try to match them. Yeah. Now, I will I will definitely disagree on Killzone um, as far as your perspective. Like, I do care if it comes back. I thought Killzone on the PlayStation 3 was the best exclusive shooter on PlayStation 3. Um, it has one thing I'll say about Killzone. The other ones. Well, there were the Resistance games and yeah. there was like three of those. And I like Resistance 2 better than any of the Killzones. Really? Um, yeah. Res- the, what I liked about Killzone is that it felt different to play from every other shooter. It didn't feel like Battlefield. It didn't feel like Call of Duty. It didn't feel like some crazy sci-fi. Like the characters had like a lot of weight to them and they weren't very mm-hmm. fast. So it was a little more strategic and a little less Twitch dependent. Yeah, but I, I mean, I just don't, it, none of it hooked me. The world didn't hook me because I'm, 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 I'm not a multiplayer person. So you're, you're yeah. basically riding on the campaign for yep. me. Yeah, um, I can see that. And I just didn't care. Um, and the, yeah, I, but you're right. I mean, you're right. It was weighty and it felt very grounded and concrete. And, and you know, it did have a unique feel. That's for sure. I just didn't care for it very much. I do think, uh, you know, from a little, what little I played to the multiplayer special in Killzone 3, uh, the weird little tweet sound when you got a headshot, that was yeah. very satisfying. It was, it was, I, was, yeah. that. I forgot about that, but you remembered it. That's yeah. funny. Um, so I did enjoy that Killzone. I agree with you. The campaign was not great. But it wasn't as bad as Killzone Shadowfall. <laughs> no, I mean we we learned what we learned how fall you far you could fall. Yeah. Um, for me, Resistance was always a more interesting world and a more. I mean, I mean, Resistance's quality varied wildly from game to game because they kind of reinvented that wheel every time with all mm-hmm. three of those games. Um, but in, in, and again, very campaign oriented for me, and so I thought the campaign of Resistance Two was the most compelling, probably the most compelling exclusive shooter on the PS3, uh, unless I'm forgetting another series that I can't think of. I don't it's think weird so. to think how many of their their teams were focused on making shooters, even even just off that. Like, 
the idea that Insomniac would not only make a shooter, but three of them in the they same They wanted generation. that COD money, man. Everyone's really been did. chasing it for decades now. It's like, everyone's trying to crack that nut. How do we make a shooter that we can sell 15 million copies of every year? Yeah. And that's not even what Call of Duty... Call of Duty does, like, double that. Like, they just want half. <laughs> and, like, also, like, feel free to put... Uh, Put the kill zones and the and the resistances on PlayStation again. Like I feel like yeah, should, why not? We yeah. should liberate them from PS3. Yeah, please. What I was getting at though is that I because of Killzone Shadowfall, its lack of quality. I mean, it was really to me just a tech demo for PlayStation Four. They needed something that really showed off what mm-hmm. it could do at launch, and they're like, "Can you get something together, Gorilla?" Sure. Because of how that was handled, can we make that game we want to make after that? Right, exactly. Though I mean, that's pretty much what happened, that's right? What happened? Yeah, yeah. So to me, like, I won't lose any sleep if Gorilla loses Killzone. To me, it showed I think Gorilla will lose any sleep. Yeah, like it showed that it doesn't care about it by the last release. So honestly, send it to somebody else who maybe has a fresh look, fresh eyes on it, and see what they can do with it. So I'm totally mm-hmm. cool with Sony San Diego jumping on that project, uh, and we'll just cross our fingers and hope something good comes out of it. Um, and the same with Uncharted. I don't have. Much much faith that a studio like theirs can handle an Uncharted game. Because the other part about Uncharted, Matt, is that there's this expectation on a technical level. Mm-hmm. Uncharted is one of those games that you get it, and maybe you're not like a big Indiana Jones fan and you don't care about the plot or whatever. It's like a technical marvel. It generally represents like the very best of whatever is happening at that moment in gaming as far as visuals are concerned. So yeah. like even f- with my dislike of four, like even there, stunner. you still, you, if you're not willing, if you're going to tackle Uncharted, you better be ready to step up to the Naughty Dog level Yeah, or don't bother. Yeah. And so that does worry me as well, which yeah. again makes me think that Killzone is the smarter project for yeah, Sony. Killzone's a safer bet. And they're never going to tackle the Sony IP that I want them to do, which is Colony Wars. No, so, um, that's never coming back. <laughs> no. Unless unless the sequel to Star Wars Squadrons really blows up. Yeah. Um, we're never but seeing that. I do think this is, a, this is a boon for Sony, Matt, to have another studio sure. under your wing creating exclusive games with your IP. Um, it just guarantees another two to three games every two to three years coming exclusively to your system. Yeah. So, and I'd like to see them go back to some, maybe some some IP that have been left behind, like Sly. Like, you know, yep. clearly Sucker Punch is done with that. Uh, yep. You could maybe whip out a new uh, Infamous at some point. Yeah. Like, that feels like yeah. there's potential that was not, not fully tapped. Yeah, because um, there are a lot of studios under Sony's wing that have really good IP that either have moved on from it or are probably ready to move on from it. Mm-hmm. Infamous, I think, is probably a great example of that. Like, I just don't see them making another one. So, you know, cue it up yeah. with Sony San Diego and get cracking. So um, if that if that studio can bring us new entries and franchises we wouldn't have got otherwise, I think no matter what, it's a win. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to our last topic of Game Phase 243. I told you guys it was going to be a short episode. We got to get this awesome draft in. Um, and we're going to talk about the legendary, the infamous Tomonobu Itagaki returning to video games. Um, you guys may be wondering where he has gone. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he is the guy who created Ninja Gaiden. He created the Dead or Alive fighting franchise. Uh, he did the reboot of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. The Ninja Wait. Gaiden goes. The original Ninja Gaiden is right, from right. the 80s. You mean like, yeah. You mean like you're talking about the 2D versions. Yeah. 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 He handled the 3D version of Ninja Gaiden, which became, you know, a game of the year candidate. Uh, to me, still one of the best hack and slash games that I've ever played. 
Um, and then he worked Still on holds D- up. So it series does. X, series X uh, backwards compatibility. Go it play will it. always hold up, Matt, because of the like combat. Like five bucks. Go ahead. <laughs> because of the combat. Again, why I'm a gameplay first guy, because when it's all said and done, what holds up more than anything although, is Although I will play. still say, you know, I mean, they're obviously they're doing the upscaling and it still looks good. Yeah. Like it, it still does. looks good. Yeah. It's, the camera, was, perfect camera not included, as you said in the old yeah, review. Yeah. Yep. But uh, it still looks great for what yep. it is. And it still plays great. Yep. Um, so he, obviously, that was one of his big projects. And then Ninja Gaiden 2, which wasn't as good. And then he left after Ninja Gaiden 2. And then Dead or Alive. He did a lot of Dead or Alives. And then he did so. a bunch of Dead or Alives, which is this the skimpy fighting game. Um, mm-hmm. I was gra- gathering B-roll for that today. I had forgotten what that game was like. Oh, I yeah. was like, Wow. There's a lot of jiggle in this game. Um, so anyway, after uh, Ninja Gaiden 2, he left Koei Tecmo, um, and he started his own studio called Valhalla, and only released one game and just by the skin of his teeth. Uh, it was a game called Devil's Third. It ended up being sent around to like four different publishers before it ever came out. Um, it was supposed to be one of the last games THQ was going to publish before it folded. Uh, but he did finally release it as a Wii U exclusive. Wii U exclusive. I had to get one of my friends in Canada to get me a copy of that because I knew that was going to be one of those Wii U games. It wasn't very good, but they didn't make a lot of them. Yep. It was going to be a collector's item, so I, I couldn't find it. It was sold out everywhere. So I, I think we to, told people on Game Face to go buy it and never it, open yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. and that's what I did. And I have it too, un- unopened. Yeah, and maybe someday it's worth a lot of money. But maybe th- I mean, probably not. It's not probably very not. Good, but like, <laughs> it's but really at some bad. point, look. At some point, the the worm turns, and the Nintendo collectors decide that it's time to get every Wii U game ever made, and then this, that's how the value scale. That's true. That's absolutely true. Um, so that whole debacle with Devil's Third basically broke him in some ways. He left game development and has been teaching. For the last four years. Matt, could you imagine having Itagaki as a teacher? Um, I wonder if you wore the sunglasses I, I, in the I classroom. He definitely wore the sunglasses. <laughs> he hates being seen definitely. without his glasses, FYI. That's why he always wears them. He he, he he's like self-conscious about his eyes for some reason. I don't I don't know why. Uh, but he, he's a, I mean he has he has some kind of like squinty eyes. Like I've seen him without the glasses on, but like yeah, it's not he, it's not like bad. I mean yeah. he, I think he just has very specific standards of how he looks and he's got a brand to protect and yep. that's well when we shot is. the doc with him one of the ground rules was you can't show me right. without my glasses on i mean because I've, I've seen him like take his glasses off like in you know after you've been drinking like all night between at some point. interviews or, or no like, if you're out at night like you know i've been at like bars with them and like you know mizuguchi and all those guys and at some point he will take the glasses off and like you know rub his eye or something yeah and he looks completely normal. He does. Yeah, I don't know why he's so self-conscious about it. So, But anyway, he disappeared for four years. And just so the other day I'm on Facebook and I'm friends with him on Facebook because we've known each other for a long time. And uh, he he was like saying, I can't figure out how to use Facebook. They removed the notes. He's like, I have something important that I've got to say to you guys. Um, and then the next day, the story broke that he is coming back to game development. And he is starting his own studio called Itagaki Studios. Finally, he just decided to name it after himself. I don't know what took him so long. Um, and he is, I would say, Matt, he is fishing for Phil Spencer right now. The, hmm. the, his quotes in his announcement basically were, and then someone did an interview with him afterwards, and he said, they asked him, like, do you want to make Xbox exclusive games again? And he was basically like, hell yeah, I'm all over it. Hmm. They should call me. I can get a team together. I can pitch Somebody wants to get bought. Yeah, I mean he he may want to get by. He's made he has tons of money, dude. Like I don't think that he really is driven yeah, by the money. The stability, the stability of being a Microsoft 
I just think it's more. Ego. I just really with him, Matt. I just think it's ego. Like yeah. I, it, that's. But, but even an ego wants to cash out eventually. I mean, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't get bought until you've made a game or two and proven yeah. that the studio can do it. And he does have a massive ego. But right now, you're looking at Devil's Third, the last game that he created. And I'll say this, Matt. When I was watching this earlier today, gathering B-roll for the show. I was like, this game kind of gives me a Cyberpunk 2077 vibe. I was like, maybe he was way ahead of himself here as far as like the tone and the setting of the game. But it's just a very, very weird game. Um, There's really no other way to describe it. It's like a third person shooter that has like multiplayer elements, but like it's really a melee game and the melee. It feels weird and disconnected, which is odd because it's an Itagaki game. So anyway... That's his last project. It's from several years ago. Matt, if you're Phil Spencer or anyone in a position of power who could make Itagaki's dreams come true, would you do it? Uh, I'd want to see a demo first. <laughs> like a God. demo? Or would you want to see like a spec sheet of a game that he's working on? I'd want to see tangible something. I'd so want to you, see... You would, you would have to, he would have to have a team together already yes. that has built something for you to see. Yes, you would you would have to show me something playable. If I was if I was in Phil's position, I would want to see and get my hands on something playable and see what they've got because he can't make Ninja Gaiden again. Yeah, not, he doesn't have no, the IP. He doesn't have that IP. Yeah, so you got to come up with something something unique. Yeah, come up with something that that plays his strengths, but is something new, and it's got to be something that isn't too weird to sell mainstream. Um, so yeah, I would I would be relatively cautious if I were Phil. And I mean, he, I mean he's I mean I I like I like a lot of the games he's made. Uh, he defined a, a whole genre, I think, yeah. for multiple generations at this point. Like yeah, you, you don't get stuff like uh, you know the the later Devil May Cry's and Bayonetta and all that without him doing Ninja Gaiden and showing everybody how it's done. Yeah, I mean you probably don't get um, games like Ghost of Tsushima either. You know mm-hmm. it, that really trickles down a long, long way. So look, I'm not denying that he was influential and he has was oh, yeah. at one time made amazing games, but and I agree with you, Matt. There is no way. I would give Itagaki money unless he already had a team together. I would never, ever give him a big chunk of money and say, okay, go build your team and make this game. No way. Um, having been and spent a big chunk of time with Team Ninja towards the end of his tenure, like basically the vibe I got there was that like the older guys worshipped him and the younger guys wished that Hayashi-san was the boss. Um, and they were very flattering of him in interviews and stuff like that. But when we weren't on camera and I just saw how they interacted with him and how he interacted with them, like they seemed to be a little scared of him, to be honest with you. Um, and so I don't look, Phil Spencer knows that better than I do. I guarantee it. And the rest of the industry knows that as well. So I think he's going to have tough sledding trying to get any sort of a project off the ground, despite what he's done in the past. I think his reputation precedes him a little bit um, as far as for, what for he's good like. good and bad. Right. As far as who he is, who he's like to work for. And then, I mean, his reputation at this point is Devil's Third. So, you know, somebody did that last time. He went to them mm-hmm. with this idea for Devil's Third. They were like, you're Itagaki. Hot damn, yeah. Like, we'll make a game with you. Here's a bunch of money. And then four years later, three publishers later, three of which filed for bankruptcy, the game comes out as a piece of trash. So... I don't know. I think it's going to be tough sledding for Itagaki. I feel yeah. bad um, because like I, I would be more willing to fund uh, Kojima's next game. Oh yeah, Itagaki's. Oh, way, way quicker. As much as I, I didn't like Death Stranding, Death Stranding yep. was no Devil's Third. Uh, yeah, I mean, Death Stranding was a it was a concept that isn't game, going was, to appeal a, to everybody, but it was yeah. very polished. Like they executed the idea. 
Yeah, they made the game. And I don't know that Itagaki can necessarily do that anymore because he doesn't have the team anymore. Like I said earlier, the older guys worshipped him. They left with him and went to Valhalla. Kanimatsu-san, there's three or four guys at Team Ninja that had been there since the beginning. They all left with him to go to Valhalla. Um, And all that was left was all the junior developers and Hayashi-san. And then they went on to, you know, partner with Nintendo and do a bunch of, honestly, a bunch of great stuff. I think Tim, Team Ninja certainly hasn't fallen since Itagaki left. No, I mean, they faltered a little bit uh, in the way, you know, Ninja Gaiden 3 was not Yeah, that's good. true. Razor's Edge uh, was not great. But their redo of it on the Wii U was pretty good. Yeah. They, they patched it up pretty well. They did. Um, they did. And then their subsequent thing, you know, they did a pretty good Dead or Alive, uh, Dead or Alive 5. It's very, you know, it's all microtransaction driven, but it, it's a good, it's a good game for what it is. It's a good entry in the series. It's better than 4, I think. Um, I mean, team, you know, team and Team Ninja. Uh, well, we won't we won't blame them for Metroid. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you might be able to. I mean, we don't know. Metroid. I think. I think, I think they made Metroid under orders of you know. Yeah, I think that was Nintendo's idea that they yeah. executed. I think yeah. they were literally just doing what they were told. Yeah. On that one. And at that point, I think they needed the money to be perfectly yeah, honest with you. Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, because Ninja Gaiden 3 tanked and Sigma didn't do great. Ninja Gaiden 2 didn't even do that great because it wasn't that great. So they had been on a tough streak there for a while, and it was kind of Nintendo to the rescue. And I think they've done a good job working with Nintendo. Obviously, the Musou stuff that they've done with them has been awesome. So um, I think it's worked out for both sides. And Probably hasn't worked out for Itagaki in the end, but he also was the one making all the money for years and years and years, and he doesn't need to make it anymore. So I'm happy to hear that he's trying to come back to the industry. I do think he has something valuable to give to the industry still, and I do think he can still be innovative if he has the right team. But if I'm the one holding the checkbook and I'm the one who has to pull the trigger on it, no effing way. There's no way I would do it unless he, like you said, showed me a playable demo that I could play of what they're working on, and I was impressed with it. So whether he can do that or not, maybe he will dig into his chest of money and he'll self-fund some guys to work on something with him for a while and create that demo. Um, I think it's highly doubtful. I think really what Maury's looking for is a handout. Someone, I mean, the last thing he directed was, you know, as that was five years ago. It was yeah. half a, he hasn't done anything in half a decade except he was on uh, that Samurai Jack game. All uh, right. Yeah. He was, he was credited as... Um, Combat something or other. No, it was uh, Supreme Advisor. Oh. That's what he was credited as. Oh. So. I will say this. The combat in that game wasn't bad. <laughs> no, the, the combat That's in that game. That's about the only part of it that wasn't bad. The combat in that game was clearly made by a, by fans of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. And uh, it worked. I mean, if you haven't played that Samurai Jack game, it's pretty damn good. Yeah, surprising, actually. Um, really barren looking, but yeah, the combat like, feels but really good. the combat good. works. Yep, it's absolutely. Solid. Yep, so... That's the latest on Itagaki-san. I do wish him well. Um, I know a lot of people are kind of feel like he's a polarizing guy, but I will say this about him. He, he puts on a front in a lot of ways. Like once you get him away from the office and he's not around like his reports and he doesn't have to kind of put on the boss shoes, um, he does loosen up and he can be a fun guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he can be funny as well. Yeah. And he's, and he's like, He's he's genuine in a lot he of ways. When you he's get legit. off camera, what you I see is what you get. Yeah, he does not change. He, when we first like started to, when we first met him after the first Ninja Gaiden, uh, and like he found out who we were and who you were. I remember he whipped out his phone and he had, he had a compressed video of your Ninja Gaiden five out of five review on his phone, <laughs> so he could watch it whenever he wanted to feel better about himself. And I'm just like, that is great. Like that, uh, our work here is done. Yeah, I mean that's you know. <laughs> 
that's a that's I mean, it shows me something just in the sense that, you know, you can project that image publicly. But the fact that he would sit there with us and like kind of admit that, you know, he has his own doubts as well. And he yeah. likes to remember that people like what he does. Like, that's a very humanizing thing. And yeah. I like that. I always yeah. thought that was that was cool. I like him. A lot of people don't. And a lot of people that work with him in Japan don't. I'll just you can just tell. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I do feel like he probably has a temper behind closed doors. And that's probably um, how he gets his projects done, though. I yeah. mean. It's not the best management style, that's for sure. Yeah, but I feel like it, it is all sometimes. I, I'd also feel like if you work with him, you're probably you probably have to listen to Aerosmith coming out of that office a lot. <laughs> um, that can grate on you, but um, yeah. But I don't want to miss a thing. That yep. Makes, so. <laughs> uh, so anyway, there you go. That's Tomonobu Itagaki, his future as it may or may not be. Um, I tend to think that this may come and go. We may never hear anything from him unless yeah, he know. decides to invest his own money to make it happen. So, and he could. So, um, I mean, my, my, uh, Microsoft could do worse than working with him. Like, I don't know, you know, green light anything yet, but I would definitely take a look at it. I just feel like you better be sure that you're not walking into another devil's third situation. Yep. You have to be if careful. THQ got duped. THQ got duped. Yeah. Good. They put remember, I mean, that game. you forget, like, you know, like you say, he left after Ninja Gaiden 2. Ninja Gaiden 2 was 2008. I know. It took yep. seven years to get that game out. Yep. Yeah, because they did Sigma and all this other stuff on the side trying to make money. Mm -hmm. um, they milked Ninja Gaiden for all. Yeah, but he didn't. Work. He didn't work on, on any of that. He, you know, he. Yeah, he Sigma left was Hayashi-san. Yeah. yeah, he left right after that, and then Devil's Third was eight years later in 2015. So, like, yeah, like that's that's you know, it, it's not like uh, you know the closest comparison I guess would probably be Kojima, where he left and two years later had a complete game out. You know, like like and Kojima Konami. delivered. Kojima, yeah, I mean, he did. Yeah. And there's Konami that is just helpless now without him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It's, yeah, it's no, you're right. Yeah. Helpless without him. Floundering around. Yep, pretty much. Okay, it's time to get some to some Q&A. Uh, get your questions in now. I'm not sure we're going to do Q&A after the draft, um, unless you have questions specifically about draft. Uh, we're not going to help you make your picks for the challenge, though. <laughs> hmm. uh, but anyway, if you have any general questions about gaming or anything we talked about today, get them into the chat now and we'll answer them. Um, here's Vince, one from Vincent. Uh, going back to Sony San Diego, what's going on with MLB this year? Not only is it supposed to traditionally launch in two months and we haven't heard a peep, that was the year it was going to go multi-platform. That's a good point, Vince, and I had forgotten about that, that Sony had relented and was like, you know what, we're the only baseball game in town, like, we should be making more money off of this baseball <laughs> game. It is supposed to be multi-platform, and you're right, like, when I was researching for this topic for the show, I could find no mention of the new MLB. Like, it's basically just completely disappeared and, like, ghosted. Um, I can't find any information on a release date or anything like that other than the stories that it was going to be multi-platform. So, man, I mean, I'll be honest with you. If you feel confident that that studio could make a good Uncharted or could make, you know, a good Kill Zone. I might pull them off of MLB. I'm just being honest. I, I get it. You're saying it would go multi-platform this year, and that would mean better sales, more sales. I do understand that. But I still think that if you made a really good Uncharted game, you would sell more copies of that just to PlayStation 5 owners than you would sell copies of MLB across all platforms. So I don't know. I don't think that they would cancel it because that is a studio. That's what it built its name on, that studio, um, the MLB franchise. So I don't think that it's like canceled it. Um, but it is strange. Normally it would be coming out here in a couple months and we haven't heard anything about it. So I wish I had more information for you, Vincent, but unfortunately I do not. Anything to add to that, Matt? 
Not really, other than I would be sad to see the show go away just because I do like that series. Yeah. It's one of the only sports game, sports series I play regularly. Yep. Uh, Surf Spider, thank you for Twitch Prime. And I know I missed a bunch of you guys earlier. Thank you guys. Anyone who subscribed during the show. Um, Axel F, 1986. Mike's Q, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys are all flipping awesome. We really appreciate it. Um, next question from Soundboy. What are the chances for a new Mario Golf game? I'd say pretty good. Okay. I mean, no better. They're running out of stuff. Yeah, they got to do something. Probably not going to get another Mario Tennis anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, we already got a Mario Tennis. You're starting to figure out at this point what IP is left. And I think that's where your question's coming from. You're like, wait a minute. There aren't many IP IP left from Nintendo that hasn't been released for Switch. What is there? That's one of them. Um, I would say, yeah. I'd say it's very likely that we're going to get one. I would also say that it's also very likely that they'll announce it and it will be released within three months of its announcement. So Yeah, that feels like a pretty solid like summer game. Like yep. Something they could announce maybe in like a, this like a May Direct and like it comes out in July. You know? yeah. maybe the And they're Mario great. I love year. those games. Like I love Hot Shots Golf, and that's basically all it is. It's Hot Shots yeah. with, in the Mushroom Kingdom. And I love arcade-style golf games. So I'm all over it. If it has online play, I'm really all over it. Uh, could also be uh, uh, soccer. Yeah, yeah, we haven't got that yet Mario, either. Mario Strikers, Mario Strikers. Has been MIA yeah. for a while. Who developed that last one? Uh, I don't remember. Oh, I should know. It's not Next Level Games, is it? It's one of those small kind of second-party Nintendo studios, but I can't mm. remember which one it was. Um, but anyway, um, you're I, right. I, I was counting. Right, Next Level. It was Next, it was level. next level. Yeah. Okay. Um, Neo JD, what are your pre-launch feelings on the medium? Is this game going to launch on time? It seems like it's been quiet even after the delay. I, I don't want to talk about it too much because we're going to talk about it in a minute. Mm. <laughs> we're going to talk about it in not not too long from now. Um, I would say this: the last round of previews gave me pause. <laughs> if you look at some of the previews they're, they're I wouldn't say they're as negative as previews get but it has more than the usual amount of caveats so generally the way previews are done in the gaming industry in the games journalism industry is you, you try to just state the facts about the game you try not to share too much opinion about it because it's not finished and things can get fixed and so generally, at least when I'm running editorial, how we would handle previews is it was just the facts. And then we'd use the last paragraph to share a couple maybe concerns that we had about what we played or maybe something that we felt could be done in a different way, something like that. So you still want it to have some kind of editorial value, but you don't want to short shrift the developers because their product isn't done yet. So that's generally how preview coverage goes. But in the preview coverage for the medium, there are a lot more than just that couple notes in the last paragraph um, about it. So I really like the concept. This kind of goes back to what Matt was saying when talking about Itagaki is like, how risky is the concept? This concept's kind of risky, which makes me interested in it. Otherwise, I don't think I would care that much. Uh, but the fact that it is kind of innovative is doing something different with the dual realities thing. Um, I think that that gives it a chance. But based upon the previews that I've been reading over the last week or two, I guess I'm setting my expectations down a notch or two. It's the best way to put it. What about you, Matt? How do you feel about it? Are you excited uh, about it? I'm interested. I haven't really paid attention to it um, recently. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, January snuck up on me. Like it's it, a couple of times I've been it's like, oh God, like Christmas was like a month ago. 
Um, very weird. You know, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm like, like, oh, Hitman's out tomorrow. Like, who, yeah. <laughs> who knew? Like, it's- yeah, I'm sorry that we weren't able to talk about Hitman um, on today's episode. I know the review embargo went up today. Uh, th- it is one of the publishers that we do not get early code from, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're going to have to buy it and play it just like you guys, but we'll talk about it uh, next Tuesday, which segues nicely into the actual, the actual end of the show. And I want to say before we go that the show will be every Tuesday going forward. Um, Jared was able to be here today, and he does have Tuesdays open here or there. Um, but as you guys saw last Thursday, if Jared can't be here, I'm just going to run the TriCaster and do the best I can. I just want I want the show to be on Tuesdays, and I want it to be every Tuesday. So going forward, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, one last question from Congrim before we break and then go to our fantasy draft. Uh, his question is, uh, any hopes or thoughts on the Resident Evil Showcase on Thursday? Uh, looks like they're Mrs. X, apparent in the recent trailer. Yeah, have you seen this, Matt? Everyone's freaking out about like the vampire queen, the, the tall woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's like I look at him like, why? Why do you? Guys there's, a, there's, a, there's a Twitter thirst for the tall lady. It's, Apparently, it's a big I, deal. I, I don't get it for whatever reason. But I don't know. I, but Capcom, ha- Capcom knows they've been playing it up on the official Twitter, and uh, I mean, it's been a long time since we had a breakout Resident Evil character. That's so true. I it's think true. it's good for them. Like, I mean, they, I'll just say this: I'm really excited for Resident Evil Village. Um, I liked the direction that Resident Evil 7 went in. I liked that it was going more towards like the settings that we saw in like Resident Evil 4 instead of just being in a an urban environment with a mansion plopped down somewhere. Um, I liked the type of horror that they went with in Resident Evil 7 uh, as opposed to kind of the jump scary stuff that's in the more mansion-driven stuff. Um, so I'm really excited for it. It really sucks that we can't show you guys the game. Uh, Capcom gives us strikes every time we show footage of Resident Evil Village. So we can't show it to you. It's really No one stupid. can know about Resident Evil Village. It's really absurd, man. It's so absurd. You know what? Capcom just put out a new like YouTube slash social media policy as well. And still, like I was like, okay, I click it. I'm like, finally, they're going to be like, and you can use our trailers now to promote our games for free for us. Nope. They didn't change. Um, so we still can't run footage of that. They still can't run footage of like any Devil May Cry stuff. Um, Monster Hunter, we have to capture our own footage or otherwise we can't show that. It's really insane. But anyway, that's it for Game Face episode 243. You guys can't tell because I'm sitting here a little low, but I'm rocking one of our new shirts today. Uh, we are running low on the sizes on the fringes. So if you want one, head to sifted.net slash store. Uh, if you're a small, you're a medium, you're a double XL or a triple XL, you're literally going to race somebody to the store to get one. Uh, we also have an awesome sticker pack full of six vinyl stickers you can buy for eight bucks. Um, it's a great way to support us if you want to and get something in return other than our awesome content. Um, as I said, stick around here on the stream. Um, we're gonna be, we're gonna dip to black for a couple minutes. We gotta get kind of our production ducks in a row to set up for our fantasy draft. Uh, but after a couple minutes, we'll be back. Um, so maybe get a drink, hit the bathroom or whatever. I'm guessing it'll be three to five minutes until we're ready to go for the fantasy draft. But anyway, um, look, if you wanna find me on Twitter, I'm at Dinfire. If you wanna find Sifted on Twitter, which you should, especially if you're watching this, on um, YouTube, or if you're listening to it on one of the six like podcast services Game Face is on, um, you should follow at Sifted Games. That way you'll know when we're going live on Twitch. Um, that way you'll know everything that's going on with the site when we release new products in our store for merch and things like that. And then you can find Matt on Twitter at mkyle. So on behalf of Jared, who I am very thankful is, is back for this episode, and Matt, I'm Shane. Game Face is up. 
and out.